Today's album, Paul Stanley's 1978 solo album, it doesn't get its due because I really believe it was influential. I think of 80s hair bands. I think of bands that said, hey, we were listening to that record. I can hear them listening to that record. I just think I it's, yeah. it's super influential. This is Vinyl Analysis, and I am your host, Arch Madness. It's the new and improved Vinyl Analysis, and it's new and improved because Greg Hansberry is our producer now. And oh, this, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Greg, let me tell you a little story about Vinyl Analysis. It was a blog, okay? Something that I just wanted to kind of get off my chest as far as albums that I grew up with listening to, and I love to write about them. Started off like that. Then it became kind of a blog cast. I don't know if that's okay. even a term. But it was something I would write. If I could get a person on, I would. I had uh, I had Pete Way of UFO. We did the Lights Out album. I had uh, uh, Derry Grian of Honeymoon Suite. We did the Big Prize. I had Chips Enough. I know Michael Hannon, who we'll introduce here in just a few. It's one of his favorite artists. We did the first Enough's Enough album. He doesn't like Enough's Enough, so anyway. It's enough. But uh, so that was the way we kind of rolled with it. And then Greg said, hey, Arch. Let's build this into a uh, legitimate podcast. That's right. So I'm I'm dipping my toe in it. And here we go. I'm happy to be a part of it, because I'm a big vinyl buff, too. So that's something we've always had in common. So when the opportunity popped up for me to do a podcast about vinyl, seriously, no-brainer. And, and, and let me tell you this, listener of the podcast. The albums that we do every week will really kind of be secondary to what's going on. We're going to be drinking some beer, and we're going to be talking shop. We're going to be talking music. And, and that's what I want to do. I want to bullshit with my guests about music. And there you go, the first cuss word. It's exciting. You're allowed to do that on I a podcast. Just, I feel like I just stepped on the moon. <laughs> Today's album that we're going to talk about is Paul Stanley's 1978 solo album. We'll get to that in just a few, but the man to my right, if you're uh, it'd be a uh, uh, radio right on the dial, Michael Hannon. Michael, what's up, man? I'm doing very good. Thank you yes, for having me yes. here on no. this great podcast. I want to clear one thing up. I do appreciate and respect Enough's Enough. It's just not my personal preference of music. See, I know you love all kinds of yeah, music. They're, and that's, they're good. I, it's just, right, it's I gotcha. a little too candy-coated for my gotcha. particular. It's like Journey to me. It's like, that's just not my stuff. Which or it's, like, it's like Def Leppard after High and Dry. That's <sighs> just not my stuff. Def Leppard, High and Dry, and uh, you know, the first one are great in my books. Then I stopped. Py- okay. Pyromania is new Def Leppard to you, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm an old crusty bastard. It's all good. And I have a theory. <laughs> I have a theory, Greg, and you'll dig this. I have a theory about Kiss, and I know Michael will be honest enough to tell me. Now, let, let's let's meet Michael. Let's talk to him. And, you know, folks here in central Ohio know, but let's face it, someone in Sweden right now, well, no, you probably toured Sweden. You've been in Sweden? No, I have not. Is that the one you haven't been to? Uh, yeah, I've not done any of the four Baltic countries. Okay, I didn't even know that's what that was. <laughs> I didn't even know that's what that was. Uh, it's a geography lesson, it too. It is. It turns yeah. into that, too. Uh-huh. So, it's Norway, Denmark, Sweden, and Finland. Wow. He yeah. is a plethora. I didn't say what, but he <laughs> is. So here's the deal, Michael. You leave central Ohio, and you go out to L.A. Yeah. What year is that? 1984. I okay. drove. I had a 75 Pinto. And I <laughs> put put a U-Haul on the back of my gear, went over those mountains, tore every seal open in that pinno, uh, got to L.A. where my dad was living. I said, Dad, can I come out and just live with you for a while until I get on my feet to try to do this rock and roll thing? He said, yeah, no problem. So I had a place to stay, and I immediately got that Recycler magazine, you know, that Motley Crue always talked about. Yeah, like, oh, they found yeah, Rick Mars. Yeah. So I got it, and goddamn, if there wasn't a, a 
bass player needed. And the name of the band was Lust, which is strangely the name of the band, a cover band I was in in Columbus at the time. And so I already had the backdrop, so I kind of had, had to start on the gig. <laughs> it, it, this is amazing to me. And, and, and Greg, for guys like me in, our, in my 40s and, and guys in their 50s, this, this, was, this was the dream. Whether it, you any type of music, I mean, even comedy, as far as out on the left coast, you're chasing that dream. But you go out there, how soon until you meet the guys from Salty Dog? Probably about three months. I mean, it wasn't take long. I, I immediately, I mean, I'm not a lazy guy. I know so you're not. I got out, out there and I immediately got a, went to a temporary service, got a job at a hardware store, and I met this guy with long blonde hair named Scott Lane. He was a guitar player in Rock's regime at one time, which became Striper. Okay? Dude. Wait, you wait, Hansberry. This gets really, really good. And then he, at the time, was in a band called Max Havoc. And uh, Max Havoc featured Kurt Meyer on drums, who's the drummer from Salty Dog, and Scott. And they were breaking up too much drugs and stuff in that band. And, you know, that's the same old story with every every Every, band, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, basically, we just became good friends, and we started jamming together, and we had a three-piece band. We played together instrumentally for over a year before we even looked for a singer. So, for those of you listening right now, you're thinking to yourself, Salty Dog, Salty Dog, come along. That was that was the song. That was the hit, yeah. That was the hit. What year? Is that 89, 90? It came out in December of 89. Okay. So, technically, it was a 90s song. Pretty much, yeah. That's when it's the biggest in 1990. You know, it's like, it's, you know, some people might think yeah. that The Wall is uh, an 80s album, but it was, you know, 1979 right there at the, the end, and then it went into, you know, had the life in the 80s. But an amazing story how you guys were able to get this done. What happened, though? What what went awry? You got you got on the radio. It was played here in Columbus, Ohio. I can tell you that much. Well, yeah, we were, we were, it was called Level 2, I think they called radio at the time, uh, ra- rotation. I can't remember. What. Right. But anyway, yeah, we were in medium rotation, basically, on QFM 96. We had lots of, we were top 10 phones in over 20 markets. We did great, without a video of the song. All right. So there's that part of behind the music, when things go to shit. And they play that ominous music. Cue the crap music. Yeah. And here comes our good friend, Heroin. <laughs> Yay! And in there's Heroin into the room. Now, uh, our friend Heroin is not a good career move. I wouldn't recommend it for anybody mm-hmm. whatsoever. I have never done it. I have Man. never touched it. But I have seen people disintegrate all around me just because of this fine chemical. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what did it. Pretty much, yeah. So there is one before we get into even more stories about. I, I want to get into the kiss. I want to talk about kiss because I do have a theory that I, I, I've been waiting to share with someone, especially someone who's just a little bit older and was ahead of the curve on me with kiss. But so salty dog, that goes to hell. Now you hopped into dangerous toys for a little while yeah, well, too. Salty dog and dangerous toys had done shows together, and also when salty dog played in uh, Austin, Texas. Right uh, there, you go. We're drinking beer, beer by the way. Beer. Tonight's beer. Yep. Is uh, Brooklyn East IPA from Long Island, New I York? I figured. Here we go. Yeah, let's. Uh, yeah, do one Good of those. Stuff. Do one of those jobbies. There Click. you go. There yeah. you go. Right on. Oh yeah. yeah. Sound effects. But yeah, uh, Dangerous Toys. When we played uh, Austin, they had a night off. They were in at home between albums, and they were there. And I saw Jason. And said, "Hey, come on back!" And I'm a big Alice Cooper freak, so we talked to Alice because they're one of their biggest hits. Scared was about Alice Cooper. Wow, yeah. I did. I didn't know yeah. that, and I love Who's that the man song. In the, in the white vest. I'm getting nervous, See? feeling a wreck. Yep. You know, I mean, Mama's lay some whiskey on the top shelf. Dude, 
It's That's pretty, true. pretty obvious. It's well, about Alice it, Cooper. Well, hey, man, I like being scared, and I wish you all were here. You know, the, who's this scary man in front of me? That's all about Alice it's Cooper. It's obvious for you, but not yeah. for those of us that are on heroin. Yeah, okay, well, there you go. <laughs> but anyway, so we met and talked and kept exchanged phone numbers, because back then, you know, not everybody had cell phones and stuff, and we, uh, every time when we went to L.A., they recorded their second album, Hellacious Acres, with Roy Thomas Baker, who did all the Queen albums, was there, and, uh... He needed some people to do background vocals. So Jason called me. He said, come on down. So I sang background vocals on the Sticks and Stones track off Hellacious Acres. Uh, a couple of guys in Circus of Power and Junkyard were there as well. And uh, Owen Rhino Bucket guys were there. Um, so that was just basically a drunken brawl. A drunken party. It was fantastic. So you then form American Dog. And that's... Uh, yeah, after that, after we... This is like when grunge happened. I did... Well, one of their third album was called Pissed. Third Dangerous Toys Pissed. Mm-hmm, yeah. And they're... Bass player Mike Watson had just gotten married, and oh, that's that's the death knell right there. Bam! That'll that'll end something. Cue the ominous <laughs> fucking that'll music again. that'll and, end it. And, anyway, uh, <laughs> worse than heroin. Yeah, worse than heroin. Yeah, no, yeah. no doubt, Greg. Mm. G money coming up huge. But anyway, so she said, "Well, you're not going on the road on a tour after finishing his album, which pissed is like I think their best album. It's the third one. It's really it's better than Hell I Should Acres by far. Okay, it's between their first one and that one. And you aren't going on the road." So he said, yes, dear. And poor bastard cut his hair off, went to wow. school, learned electronics, do all this stuff, like she said. And guess what? Then he wasn't the same exciting rock star that she met and fell in love with, so she divorced his ass, and he's got no band, no hair, no fucking career. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> there's another fine story for you. But uh. anyway, that's beside the point. So they called me and they said, hey, man, we need a bass player for this tour. It starts in 12 days. I said, dude, I can't forward to go all the way to Texas, sleep on your couch to learn these songs, you know. Uh, yeah, he said, right. this is no take, not a tryout. You got the gig if you want it. Just come on out. You're in Dangerous Toys. Okay. So I did 200 shows with him in one year. 200 shows. That's busy. Yeah. That's busy. three legs. There were like a week and a half, two week uh, breaks between. And in between, I drive back to Columbus, sleep on my mom's couch. <laughs> right. So so now, the last... My, my, to finish that story, all my stuff in LA, I just put it in a uh, storage unit. I lived out of a storage unit. I had nothing. Dude, is this is this is is this the most rock and roll story you've you've ever heard? That's why that's why we're leading off with Michael Hannon. All right, and that's why you will be back. All right, because you are just. I think you are one of the biggest personalities on the Columbus music scene. I really do, man. I just. Yeah, you, you I absolutely... am only six foot tall. Well, okay. Yes. <laughs> so okay, American Dog. That's kind of where okay, we've yeah. been the last. The Dangerous 10, Toys 15. Tour, two hundred shows. Yep. This is when grunge was taken over, and I saw the West Coast and East Coast sucked ass for rock and roll. But places where fashion is not a big thing, like the Midwest, Texas was still good and rocking and kicking ass. So I said, "The hell with this. I'm not going back to L.A. It sucks. It's dirty. It's full of. The, you can't drink the water. You can't right. breathe the air. I'll go back to Ohio. I know a lot of people." It's, Cheaper to live there, you know. I know I get enough people. I can get jo- a job, you know. I could probably, you know, get some gigs pretty easy. So I started all over again here in uh, Columbus. Every once in a while, you guys are popping up, correct? Yeah. And we'll we'll talk about it on the uh, on the uh, the flip side of this program. You're listening to Vinyl Analysis. I'm Arch Madness. I got my special guest here, uh, Michael Hannon. Also our producer, Greg Hansberry. Greg, do you want to? Is G Money all right? Is that somebody already call you that, Greg? Lends itself to a lot of nicknames. G, G Money. Yeah, okay. G Money's fine. G Funk. Are like you a G- funk fan? Or? Uh, I, I'm Let's more go to G Money. Like you like yeah. money. All yeah. right. G Money. So there, that's set in stone. Gotcha. All right. Now we're going to morph our way into Kiss and our love of Kiss. I had a Kiss lunchbox at the age of six in first grade. So we're talking 1977. 
I have a theory. Now, I'm a, 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 you're a tick older than me, but you were ahead of the curve, so we still love the same music. Absolutely. That's the beauty of guys in their, in their late 40s and guys in their early 50s. We, we love the same music. I think that my generation, being a six- or seven-year-old listening to KISS, I think my group is the one that ruined it for you guys. Now, I disagree. We ruined it. I we dis- ruined it for I you. Disagree. Okay. I disagree. Okay, now I understand that. I mean, it was queer seeing all the really young kids at the shows. It was weird because I went to the Alive 2 show, in, which was the Dy- no, I'm sorry, Dynasty Tour in Pittsburgh. Right. And it was full of young kids and families and stuff, and that was different. But it was the music they were doing that brought that group in. So it was not the group of people that listened to it okay. that were at fault. It was Kiss for changing the style they were doing. Fair and enough. There is no backbone or even set of balls on uh, Dynasty, uh, none. Unmasked, none. None. Elder. It, it was them. They changed it on purpose, and they went for a different audience. All right. Here's a question I must ask every Kiss fan. I'm an ace guy. I am too. Okay, fair enough. I, I didn't know. Sometimes I think with your, because uh, I know you're a big Alice Cooper fan, I think Alice Cooper fans, I think they would gravitate more to Gene. Well, I like Gene. Gene's my favorite voice in the band, but Ace is the soul of the band. He is. He is. He absolutely is. And it was my first rock idol. I was in, it was, it was, it was basically Evil Knievel and Ace Fraley for the first <laughs> 10, 12 years of my life. That's cool. Uh, that was it. That's perfect. Yeah. Okay, because I just worry because they know, both wore capes. Well, yes, they did, <laughs> <laughs> and they wrecked cars going really, really fast. <laughs> they have works if you so it. much in common. All right, so okay, well, cool. I always wondered about that. I just always felt kind of bad that it was like us little kids, since we were the ones that started coming to the shows and buying the albums, and you know, because let's be honest, I'm a Kiss Alive two guy. You're a Kiss Alive. Kiss Alive guy. one. Yeah, you're, yeah. Uh, first, right, okay. first song I heard, ever heard by him was Rock and Roll All Night. And this is when AM radio is all you had in the car. And I was real young, and the radio at the time, AM, was playing Hall & Oates and all the, Chicago right. and all that stuff. And in between was Rock and Roll All Night. And I was like, ooh, it really hit me. It was like, this is different, and I liked it. And Kiss Alive was my first real album that I listened to all the way through. Well, that one of those K-Tel records with the two-and-a-half-minute songs. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And Kiss Alive, that was my, okay, this is it. Damn then I went back explosion. and bought the old studio, because they very cleverly put inside Kiss Alive, more Kiss, and they showed the other albums that I didn't know existed. And uh, there you go. So I went out back and bought those. I hopped in during Destroyer. Destroyer was the first thing, and then Kiss Alive too. Yeah. So you kind of skipped I mean, over Kiss, Rock and Roll over. No, and Love no, Gun. no. Love Gun is huge for me, but there was, you know, you got to remember where I'm from. I wasn't. Uh, I'm from Southeastern Ohio. We didn't have. The stations. We didn't have the Neither exposure. Did, I would, if you remember, I was brought up in Barnesville, Ohio. Oh my God, that's right. We had to listen to uh, Wheeling West Virginia stations. So you know, with those guys, you know, mumbling when they were without no teeth, it, it was like really hard <laughs> to tough. understand them. It's tough down uh, home. Uh, yeah. It's tough down yeah. home. But yeah, no, I, I, I kind of, I, I went from uh, uh, Destroyer, yeah, some Love Gun, Kiss Alive too, and I think that's what made it blurry for me. Is this? I was obsessed with that. Okay. Obsessed with well, that. I, that. When you pull it open and that, come on, man, that centerfold of all that fire and stuff. Jesus Christ, that's the greatest I, thing on the planet. I would just stare at that. When I started, you know? when I started vinyl analysis, the first one I did was Kiss Alive Two, because it it's the reason I'm here. It's the reason I'm doing what I'm doing. It gave me my love of music, and it is what it is. Kiss Alive Two. Was it for me? And that's coming right from the heart. I can tell by the way you're talking, and by the way he's frailing his hand around. By the way, I too, am. Yes, theater and of the mind. Right. I, I, same exact sentiment with me. 
for Kiss Alive. Yeah, and I know that had a, an effect on a lot of my uh, older entire friends. generation. Yeah, yeah a million absolutely. guitar players were born because of Ace Frehley and Kiss Alive. <laughs> that's true. Uh-huh. That's honest to God. That's true. <laughs> That, that, that's what he does, you know, which is a Joe Walsh kind of thing. Before we get into Paul's solo album, Jesus recently, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> recently, recently, uh, Gene Simmons spotted at an Ace Frehley show. It looks like it is. They're going to do some shows together. I, I would imagine. Yeah. Peter Chris. Ringo doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and you know what? And that's crazy. Coming from me, a Kiss Alive 2 fan. Hey, next to to Ace's solo and Rocket Ride on the studio side of that album, but but also uh, Gene, you knew after God of Thunder, you could tell the blood was coming out. That yeah. was huge. It was theater of mind for us. I was like the third time I've used Fantastic. that phrase, but exactly what it is, especially with Kiss when you're holding the albums in your hand and you're watching it. But but Peter's solo, looking back on it now, the drum solo was nothing. It was nothing. Yeah. But then. It was mind-blowing to me. Well, he was important. Beth, I mean, he came out yeah. and sang the, the slow song. We all knew. When those four solo albums came out, mm-hmm. didn't you know right from the beginning that Peter Chris one is going to suck? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I didn't even buy it. I I, I own every just about Kiss CD there is except for, except for Unmasked, Peter Chris, and The Elder. Okay. And Asylum. All right. So let's talk about it now. The Paul Stanley solo album, 1978. This record, and in fact, those they were all released on September 18th, 1978. This is an interesting stat. I really have never thought about it this way, but Paul's solo album was the only one to not have a cover song. All right, let's be honest with each other. I think Ace's solo album is one of the best Kiss records ever. Yeah, I, 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 I'm with you on that. I totally, and I know you feel almost the same I way. I think Ace one is the best by far, and I think Paul's the other really good but, one, and the other two are turds. I, I agree. I agree. Gene's, I had more, I was hoping more for Gene. Uh, we show, Gene showed what he, he, he was. He should have. He should have, and he totally dropped the ball on that. But I, I, I think Ace's solo album was so successful. Why? Because of the cover song. Yeah, it's which New is York weird. Groove, it's it's a New one, York Groove. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's I mean that was that was what it. But hey, look, rip it out. I mean, there's so many great songs. Ozone, Snowblind, Snowblind. Are you kidding Fractured me? Fractured Mirror, that instrumental is fantastic. All right, so now we're going to do Paul Stanley's solo album, and, and the reason I'm bringing this up, I love this album. I think this record was a blueprint for hair metal. I, I really, truly believe that. I think Tonight You Belong to Me, the first track on the album, it's, it's, it's quintessential Paul Stanley, where he starts off slow and he builds it. It's great. It's the same guitar you can tell he uses in a Hard Luck Woman. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. You can hear it. And that's how he start, they started out. They used that also in a Rock Bottom. Before we start on the Paul Stanley solo album, yeah, man. let me tell you what happened. Really? Because I've read all the books on Kiss. I've got eight of them, I bet you. Well, that's not all. That's why you're here, man. Okay. okay. <laughs> Peter and Ace were ready to quit the band. Mm-hmm. And Alcoin management said, no, look, you guys don't have to quit. You can do solo albums. We'll call them Kiss so they sell bigger. And that's what they did. Each band member put out the solo album at the same time so the band didn't break up. It would get you guys away from each other. You get a little breathing space. Right. And they all did that, okay? And unfortunately, they the hype was so big, the label, Casablanca, printed a million of each one and shipped Four million records. Okay, now they oh, were so big though. Pipe dream. They, 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 I mean, that's 
living. That's the 70s. That's the excess. excess. Okay. Absolutely. Each one sold 500,000 out of the gate. So you look at it this way. Kiss just sold 2 million records in a week. Because they all say Kiss, then the name of the guy. So there's 2 million more Kiss sales there. But then you got 2 million more coming back as returns for the cutout bands, which makes it look like a huge failure. And that is See? what really kind of did him in. That really killed, hurt Casablanca quite a bit, too. Yeah, I'd always heard that this really damaged I mean, that, that you're brand. Thinking, you're thinking, the you label. just sold 2 yeah. million records and it's yeah. a failure? Yeah, because yeah, you printed 4 million. Well, I mean, let's be honest. You couldn't go to a garage sale throughout the 80s without seeing Peter Chris's <laughs> album. Yeah, I mean... Good I mean, come God. on, man. The only thing good about Peter Chris, yeah, you had the other part of the, the puzzle. <laughs> That's why people had right. to buy it, because they had that the, the four posters <laughs> that made a puzzle. For the completest. Yeah. yeah. And who's not, if you're a Kiss fan? Sure. You know, like, Ace did sell the best, by the way. It yeah, because of New York. And it kept selling. I mean, that was a hit. Uh, once, once Still is. All the Kiss fans bought them all. Then they, uh, the word put around, the Gene one sucks, and the Peter, Peter Chris has got yeah. awful. Yeah. I mean, Gene had a couple songs on it, and I wanted to like it so much, and I kept trying to think, maybe I'll mature into this. <laughs> no, it's just crap. Yeah, well, when you read the liner notes, and he's thanking Cher. Uh, well. <laughs> I mean, you know, dude, he was, oh, look, oh, Hansberry. He, Bob Seger's on it. Rick Nielsen. Richie Rayner from Stars. There's a million special guests on the Gene Simmons album. And it's still just crap. It doesn't matter how much icing you put on a turd. It's still a turd. G-Money. So this is the way it went. Uh, while Ace and, and Peter were, like, drinking and doing drugs, right. Gene was hitting Hollywood. Sure. I mean, he was he was, he was was doing Diana Ross, Cher, and, you know, name hot, hot chick for that era. And Gene was there, yeah. If you know what I mean, in the biblical sense. So they laid together mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the same bed. Michael Hannon. Jesus All right. Christ. So let's just talk about the Paul album. I love this record, and the only reason I'm dragging you into this, and I want to say, Michael, when you first got back to Columbus, and I was still trying to work my way into the radio scene, you're at the record store. Yeah, I worked at Record Connection. Pep, want to say hi to Peppy? Here's the thing. I remember us having a conversation. You might not even remember. Obviously, you're not going to remember this because you've done some touring since. I I remember you saying something about love and change. You thought that was a cool song. Oh, yeah. And I remember thinking that Michael Hannon from Salty Dog thought that that was a cool song because I, I never really told everybody how much I love Paul Stanley's yeah. album. I mean, I, I really – I mean, I think as far as, as, as groove – and like I said, it doesn't get its due – because I really believe it was influential. And, and when I'm talking about these songs, and there was that bulk, Tonight You Belong to Me is one of my favorite Kiss songs. Period. I love the riff. I love the way it starts out slow. It pauses, and you get that riff. It's yeah. just one of my favorites. It's it's all, all around good. Love and Change. Love and Change. Goodbye. It's all right. Uh, now, w- I love it. Yeah, there's that core, though. It's Wouldn't You Like to Know Me, Take Me Away, and It's All Right. When I hear those songs, I I think of 80s hair bands. I think of bands that said, hey, we were listening to that record. I can hear them listening to that record. I just think I it's, yeah. it's super influential. And I'm not saying Aces isn't. Aces is the best. I, I, I get that. But I think as far as songwriting and, and, and that sound, and it is. There's, he is over the top. He's flamboyant. There's, a, there's an element of cheese Mm-hmm. And and there was that in that whole movement coming out of L.A., man. It just oh, it yeah. is what it is. I agree. With, makes sense. I love that record. The Paul right. Stanley record is really good. And he's got a great voice on him. And I'll tell you what, it, I remember seeing the uh, 
Dynasty tour, and they did a song off each solo album. They did Move On by mm. Paul, that tour. That's kind of a cool way to do that. Do one song. What the hell would Gene have done? They did Radioactive. Radioactive. And they did New York Groove. And I didn't know what the Peter Chris song they, was. Yeah, it was rolling and Tumbling or something. Yeah, it's when you went, that's a piss break. That's when you, well. Is what that yeah. is. That's a piss break. Well, I, I just, I, I love the, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I remember you saying, yeah, Love and Chains is a good song. Yeah. You, you dug that. And I was like. Oh my really? God! Michael Somebody Hannon thinks yeah. Michael Hannon thinks that that's that's cool, and it kind of legitimized the album for me. It really, truly did, well, Michael. That's so that's funny. why I, I wanted to. That's why I brought you in on this. And look, bro, we'll we'll break down. We can do Kiss Alive. We can do another one down the road. But I kind of wanted to touch on this record and get your whole vibe on it. Now, Michael, let's pick Shh. let's pick a song. I'm going to let you have first pick on Paul Stanley's 1978 solo album. If you could pick one, what's it going to be? Love in Chains. Absolutely. Love in Chains. What an absolute jam. That one could have appeared also, and, and I think it, along with Tonight You Belong to Me, those were Kiss songs. They felt like that to great. me. Those were songs that could have appeared Paul maybe on the Creatures of man. the Night Paul down the, the road kids, or yeah. something like that. I totally could see that. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, when... Stoddy Dog opened up for Paul Stanley on a solo tour in Hollywood. He played it. I was like, yeah, I went down in the pit. Oh, right you know, on. Stoddy Dog, we played right before him. You know, we, like, we opened up for that show at the Hollywood Palladium. Are you serious? Are you listening to this, G-Money? This Gene is insane. Was there. Great. I talked to Gene afterwards. Gene was Was funny. he cool to you? He was great to me. In a way, biggest backhanded compliment ever in my life, okay? <laughs> Here we are playing, and he's... Paul Stanley, he's uh, standing on the side of the stage watching me, you know, uh, and checking out what I'm doing. <laughs> right. And, and uh, so when I'm off stage, we're done. He walks in, come here. You know, you've got a good band. You've got something going here. Let me tell you something, kid. You've got, you've got. It's a great two, gene, by the you've way. Got two, you've got two stars in your band and you've got two musicians in your band. See, you, he goes, you're no musician. You're a star, though. <laughs> and your singer, he's not very good, but he's a star. He has star quality. The drummer and guitar player. They're great musicians. So you've got a good combination. And Kiss, we had four stars and no musicians. You got it made, kid. He said that yeah. to you? But what back here, you're no he goes, you're no musician. But that's awesome. So but let, backwards. He goes, but you're a star. So and really something that you could tell everyone about, he critiqued your band. Let's not forget Van Halen fans. What G I mean, Gene went out and saw them. I mean, that yeah. was and you know, got that whole deal done. I mean there's different. There's varying stories on on how Van Halen was discovered, but I mean, Gene was a big, big part of that. That's that's pretty badass. I've never heard that story from you before. That well, is pretty go. badass. So oh. you went with Love and Chains. I'm gonna go with the opening song tonight. You belong to me. I, 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 that riff is one of my all time favorite Kiss riffs. I saw a video recently on YouTube. It was from Paul's solo tour back in 2006. That was the first time he had played it live. You can check it out on YouTube. He, but he talks about it. he's at the House of Blues in Chicago. And he says, this is the first time I've ever played this song. And he says, you know what? This is one of my all-time favorite songs. And here's a little song uh, throw, throw for you. Do you know me. who it's about? That Uh-oh. is written about a particular woman. Okay, hold on, hold on. Now, is she a movie star? No. Okay, well, She's a publicist. And she's still in the business. Carol Kay. So he, he did was her one night. Her. He, he, no, he was with her. And she also had a, another boyfriend. And they were going back and forth. And he said, he wrote this. It's in his biography. He talks about it. He goes, he was with her. And it was one of those, you know, he's one of those emotional guys that gets all his heartbroken. It seems like every other time. And it's like, <laughs> he was with her and she was going back and forth. And it was like funny. He said, you know, and the one night I finally got her by myself. I, I wrote that about her. Tonight, you, you belong, belong to, to me, me. Not the other guy. 
It's a great record. So that's it right there. Paul Stanley's 1978 solo album. Maybe we'll do another one here down the road, Michael. We're absolutely going to do a couple down the road, whether they're Kiss or not. I'm not sure. Maybe we need to pull an Alice Cooper out or something and, and talk some, you know, Vincent Fernier. I think that's something we want to do. Before we cut loose, what's going on in your world? I know you have kind of you kind of given a middle finger to the business itself, but you do some stuff every once in a while. Is that where I'm at? I mean, we're straight yeah, up, right? That's where it's at, right? All the, all the thieving scumbags who just basically download your music illegally and all these these socialist bastards that fucking want to think everything's Jesus, free. Jesus, Lars, bring uh, it down a notch. Fuck them all. Uh, and you can suck my ass. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, you know what? You right download on. music, right you're going to download music you like, right? So you're actually stealing from somebody you like. So fuck you. Wow. And, and I'll say this. Uh... American Dog, really some of my favorite music in the we last 10 or 15 40, years. 40,000 CDs. And, you know, that's really uh, good. I, now, it took us 14 years, but, you know, and we, we toured like hell and we did it all on our own. And it was just, it was a hard, hard drug. And after a while, when we were playing for more people, bringing more stuff in and selling less because assholes were fucking downloading mm-hmm. it illegally. I, I just had enough. I, I had to get a job with insurance. G Money. Said, this this band oh. was it was. Uh, thank you. This band was an absolute hidden gem. Uh, they did my Arch Madness theme song back in the day when I was doing sports uh, on QFM and and the Destroyers and, theme and the Destroyers come theme. dancing. Yeah, you know. And the thing is, I honestly, I with like I told you, Gene Simmons is right. You you got a star personality, and 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 that was always fun live. And I'll put Steve, your guitar player, He's Joe Perry. I always tell I always tell him, and he never gets mad at me. But I say, dude, you are a hillbilly dime bag. You are one of the one of the, you are one of the. He is man. He is the best guitar player in the six one four seven four zero. He's the best. He's the best. He's one of my all time favorites. A, and, and a hell you guys, of a good guy. He's a hell he, of a good he sure guy. He sure is. Too. And you guys were an amazing fucking band. And uh, and I love Salty Dog as well, man. And Michael, you're just one of my favorite dudes. Well, thank, thank you so much. And we got to do this again, right? Like, as Paul Stanley would say, oh, tonight you belong to me, Arch. <laughs> Michael Hannon, everybody. So what do you think, Greg? Is that good, huh? That's a good one. It's like, where do you go from here? Uh, well, I don't know. damn good. Well, I'll tell you where we're going to go. Our next vinyl analysis, we're going to break down Motley Crue's Shout the Devil. You got a favorite? You know what we should do? Kind of a throw out to the, the, the guests for the next week. You have a favorite song on, on Shout the Devil? Oh, there's so many good ones. Consider that bastard dead's pretty damn good. Yeah. Uh, knock him dead, kid. Uh, I like that Hollywood song. It's the last song too. We're gonna have some fun. That is uh, Michael Hannon uh, for producer Greg Hansberry. I'm Arch Madness, and this has been Vinyl Analysis. See ya. I love that record.